Without further ado, Pastor Alfred. Thank you, thank you. Well, praise God. I am excited about today because, yes, the Lord is with us. Yes, people came to church. Amen. And we got potluck after, so everyone, make sure you stick around. And here's the thing, though. Even if you didn't bring anything like I didn't, um, everyone's welcome. Okay, this is for everybody. So please make sure everyone stays and uh, enjoys the meal, the fellowship, and the time after. You know, this time that we're living in is obviously a, a, a time that we've never really dealt with before um, as far as our, our time here on earth. I mean, as far as, and far as us here in this room, looking back to ages. I was speaking with my mom about it, and I said, have you ever remembered a time like this? And the only time she could remember was when she was just a little girl, maybe she said about four or five years old during World War II, as far as what was going on and how things were rationed here in the United States. And there were lines for food and there were lines for different things. But everything, there was soup kitchen lines. It, was, it came to a point, and people could say, well, even the Depression before that. You know, there were some tough times that have come to uh, our United States. And it's, it's so rare because we've been so blessed of God to have the nation that we have that we hear of tragedies and situations across the world. We hear of how things are done and what's happening in so many different places. But when we get to the point of thinking how it's hitting home, this is new for us. It's very new. And some don't like new. I mean, how many of you like to rearrange your furniture every so months? Right? So, oh, there is some. Okay. Usually someone's locked their couch into a certain spot and it's not moved until, you know, that thing's thrown away. And then you see, hey, that's what the carpet looked like, you know. And then <laughs> you realize it's like, okay, there's, we don't like change many times. We don't, we like to be in our set ways. We like to do things the way we do. But we're living in a different time. And I think before I go, I just really want to pray. So, God, thank you so much for the opportunity that we have, Lord, just, uh, God, to be together, to be with you. And we ask you, Lord, that you would help us in the, in the confusing times that are going on, Lord, to understand who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I did uh, my uh, duty within our home to go to the store. Usually it's always that mentality of the wife saying, hey, when you're at the store, because I'm the one on the road all the time, stop by and get this. While well, it's around this time of the uh, our supply demand that I would normally look to and go buy certain items. It's just the way we were, my wife and I, hey, we're running low on this. It's not to the point we ran out of this, but we're running low. So when all the panic of all that's going on, you know, Costco, because these two <laughs> work with Costco, the craziness of what's going on with all the stores. Okay, I didn't make a mad dash for toilet paper or anything like that. I just figured, hey, we're fine. I'll go get it when I need it. Well, it came to that point. And so, literally, I knew Costco didn't have any. Uh, so I go over to a certain store, another store. I'm on the road on a journey just to look for toilet paper. It was the funniest thing. And so I go, you know what? They stalk at night. You know, the stalkers are you know, trying. To so I go to Walmart in Centerville. Okay, this is where I'm working my way from Ogden, working my way down to different stores. I'm in Centerville in the Walmart about 10, 1030, and I see them. I see them hauling out, you know, the uh, 
pallets of boxes. And I go, and I'm walking down the paper aisle, and I see the end there, and I could see Charmin. You know, I, don't, I never got so excited to see Charmin <laughs> before. And I'm going, and I'm seeing Charmin, and I'm, like, making a mad dash, you know. And so I go. The box is open. The box is empty. And I ask this. I go, are, are there more boxes? He goes, sir, you missed it by about 10 minutes. That, and I, I go, is there anything left? And you know when there's, okay, I'll name, you know, name brands like a Charmin. Those are probably the more quality. And then you have the um, other knockoff brands, I'll call it, of toilet paper that he goes, we have this kind. It's the one roll, you know, that's, you know, it's not, it's like half ply. You could see through <laughs> it, you know. And so he goes, he goes, we've got, we've got this. And I go, how many? He goes, we've got six. I go, put them in. And then he goes, and we've got this. By the time I turned around, there was somebody already taking out of my basket, which I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to fight her. She looked strong, you know. And so, you know, and so she, it was taken out. And so a lady saw that from, from Walmart. She saw that that was already, you know, people were elbowing, you know. I'm like, whoa. So a lady gives me a tap on the shoulder. And she goes, Psst. you know, it felt like one of those movies in the shady, like, hey. Come here. And so I go, I go, what's, what's up? He goes, there's another row of pallets that just loaded. I saw what happened. Come over. Walk quietly. <laughs> so we're, so we're, we're walking, walking. And sure enough, right there, Charmin. And so I said, I go, I just need so much. I don't, you know, so I grabbed what I needed. And then, it, then it was literally, I look back, ah, you know, everybody just, you know, there's more. I was like, this is crazy, crazy, crazy times. And then the funniest thing is that people are buying the oddest things from the shelves that, I mean, shelves are clear. There's no doubt. I'm assuming the same here in, in Twilla, right? I'm assuming everywhere, everywhere. But it's like, you know, why do they need so many cans of olives? You know, I was like, why do they need, why do they need, they're clearing everything. And I'm like, oh, Lord. Okay, you know what's happening clearly. This is the true, um, well, I'm going to use it this way. This is the truest picture of what fear looks like. Okay. Yeah. Very much so. I want you to think about this, guys. If there was a picture, now, obviously, there's no doubt. Each one of us, each one of us have had a moment in our life where we were overwhelmed by anxiety, stress, pressure. We've had issues in our life that um, maybe were just overwhelming. There's no doubt. We've all had it. S situation with work, children, issues with um, sickness. It, it could go on and on as far as the variety of different ways in where we all battle something. We all battle fear one way or another. But the biggest thing is just to understand, okay, Lord, I'm coming to you. And what we found out is that there are so many people Right now, th th there's a divide that's happening, and it's a clear divide. There are so many people right now that are literally turning to the Lord because they're crying out, God, I need help, which maybe they hadn't before. And there's also, the Bible refers to, in the days like this, that there will be a turning away. There will be many that will mock God and say, and even mock believers. Even for the fact that, listen, listen, the fact that we, as wisdom, we're using wisdom here, not fear. And the fact that we would say, hey, let's go ahead and let's, you know, close our services for two weeks. 
Now, a lot of people would assume like, oh, well, you guys are afraid. Why don't you just have faith? Why don't you just believe that God is doing something and so on and so on? My friends, this is wisdom in the idea of closing down for two weeks. Here's the main reason why. This idea of the virus is seriously a concept of contamination, which refers to allowing it to continue to move from one host to another host. How many, how long does it normally typically last to have a cold or a flu? There you go. And you've even heard of the 24 hour flu. I mean, there's different causes, viruses, sicknesses, and we have those different things. The, all, the only way this thing can survive, you know, this thing could survive the rest of life here on earth. It really could if it found a new host. The only way to stop this thing is literally by now allowing it to hit another host. What is a host? Meaning your body hosting this thing. And so when you're around someone that is contagious, then you don't know whether or not you have it. And many times the issues apply as far as you may be contagious, not even realize it until later on. But at that time, you've already affected other people. So the biggest thing here is, and this is wisdom, wisdom is saying, okay, if right now the wisdom is saying not to gather in larger settings, then you might say, but we're less than 100 people. What's wrong with us getting together? There's nothing wrong with that. No, by just being in compliance of just the caution overall, understanding that we are going to use wisdom. Now, here's the thing. Wisdom as far as gathering in this way, but that doesn't mean stop being the church. Okay, because in such a time as this is a time that the church shines. It's a time where people of God shine as they sh ho show hope. You see, the world, as you stated, is freaking out right now. The world is in fear and just going in a chaotic way. They're going to look to people that have hope. Well, we have hope. We have hope within each one of us. Who is that hope? But Christ himself. But for those that don't have Christ, for those that don't understand who Christ is, they don't understand the concept of having hope. Because the hope within themselves, they've already failed in that. The hope in others, they've failed in that. The hope in the government, well, that's failed. You know, the hope in this, the hope in this. No, believe me, I, I'm, I'm supportive of, you know, what our government's trying to do and everything. They're doing their best. And I love it right now for the first time seeming and these last so many, maybe decades, that you're having Republicans and Democrats actually working together to come against a common enemy, not each other. I mean, businesses, I don't know if you saw that with the president when he had, you know, the businesses that you had Walmart and, you know, uh, Walgreens and all these other stores all saying, hey, we're going to work together. And one actually made the comment, we're typically competitors, but today we're on the same team. That we're going to work together, okay? And the idea here is understanding, okay, hope. Hope and understanding who God is, where God is, and how do I obtain who he is in my life? I want you to think about this. Um, in the end of the summer, it was August of 1993, I was ministering, my wife and I were ministering in Albuquerque, New Mexico. The specialty focus that we had in our ministry was going into the rougher neighborhoods of the Five Point neighborhood area. Anybody been to Albuquerque? Understood the Albuquerque world? Okay, it's off of Central. 
on the west side, there's an area called Five Points. And it's a real challenging area when it comes to gangs and drugs. Our church was located near the tram on the east side near the mountains. And we would send this 40-passenger bus to go in because our children's outreach was doing a great job. And we were going in there, and we were picking up literally so many kids, filling up the bus. And we would take them to church, and we would have outreaches, and all these great things were taking place. After so long, it was now, again, the summer, and at the end of the summer, because all summer long was going great, at the end, all of a sudden, we show up to the church, and all of our windows of our bus are rocks thrown, shot at, tires are shot at. They just went crazy shooting up our bus and spray painted, stay away from five points. Okay, I knew who did it by way of the people, not an individual, but we knew the people group that did it. You see, it was the older brothers and sisters, mostly brothers, of the younger kids. Those younger kids were hearing about Jesus. Those younger kids were seeing a difference in life change and how God can be there for you that literally they would go home and saying you shouldn't be doing that they would actually be preaching to their older brothers and sisters about their life and about living for jesus that they couldn't even their parents and sadly enough even grandparents that were locked into that lifestyle of a generational just doing wrong and the little kids were the ones being this light to their parents and being this light to them that they were you know saying to them and teaching them about Jesus. Well, they didn't like it. And they knew that how they're going to shut us down. They didn't do anything to the building. They just shot up the van or the bus. It was a big bus. So we could have said, okay, it's over. Shut it down. Lock it up. It's over. No, we had to use wisdom. We had to pray, God, give us wisdom to know how if the bigger scenario doesn't work, what do we do then? You've been challenged already. Pastor Forrest gave us an idea. What can we do to bless our neighbors? What can we do to reach out to those around us? So this is what we did. We asked everybody within our church, who's got a minivan? All right, you're going to take pick up this many kids. You're going to pick. We had so many minivans. Instead of one big bus coming in, all these minivans were showing up through the neighborhood. Hurry, get in. It sounded like the lady at Walmart. Shh, hurry. Walk quiet, you know, and so they were, they were all, get, all the kids were coming in because a lot of the parents were saying, no, I want my kids to go, and they were coming. It was instead of one big bus making a lot of noise, it was a lot of little ones zooming all over the place, picking up all these kids and bringing them, and they would go back, and then we got the bus, and then the bus continued. We fixed it, and it went on. You see, it was just a short time. It's just enough time for what was wrong to be fixed. This is just a short time for what is wrong at the moment of the chaos just to be fixed to see what we can do. But I believe in the time that we're at, it's going to be a launching. You can imagine just cranking back a little bit to see the, what God is going to do here in the future. What does it take on our part? Who's got a minivan? You know, okay, what can you do? What can you do in the smaller version of what we do here, maybe with your family, your neighbor. You see, the beautiful thing about what we have at Life Church, which a lot of churches do, is that they're recording. We're recording. And we have services will continue on on stream and you can online and you can do that. 
And that'll be great. Maybe a great way because all of our, uh, many of our churches, there's going to be no, no church whatsoever. Maybe saying, hey, our church is having service and we could watch it online. Have them over for a meal. Bring them down and be able to watch together, which they probably would never. I can guarantee you, they probably would never come to the building, but they'll come to your home. There's a lot of people even to the extreme of fear and depression and anxiety that we have to be proactive about caring for those around us and knowing, is everyone going to be okay in the neighborhood? Are they going to get food? Maybe as you're hoarding all the olives, maybe give a couple olives to, you know, to the neighbor next door. And, you know, you're hoarding whoever, you know, maybe share with someone that maybe elderly. I was told of a story of a, I was told of a story of an elderly couple uh, up in their, their 80s. They parked and they pulled into a Sam's Club and they pulled in and they sat there watching and waiting and waiting and waiting. And they rolled their windows down just a little bit, and they kind of did one of those, you know, excuse me, excuse me, can you come here, please? And it was a lady that she looked trustworthy to them, and she goes, we can't walk that well, and we can't go in there, you know, just because, again, the age and the fear and all this and that. And so they said, we can't go in there, but we just need someone. Could you, and gave a $100 bill. That's a t Talk about, they must, she must have literally looked trustworthy, you know. Me walking up, they look at no, no, you know, but you know, but they gave they she they gave the lady a hundred dollars and said it's just a few items we need, can you get that for us? Well, of course, the lady went in and um, told the people in the store, and it was actually the store people that came back and and gave her you know all her stuff and says anytime at all, just call us ahead of time, we can meet you out. You know, it was a really cool thing what they did at that store, but it was cool that the lady was trustworthy. But she, again, there's people in our community that need help. You see, this isn't, this isn't the first time as far as this. I don't know if you've seen uh, or even remember, that there, and we talked about this, that there's a whole list throughout the year. Let's just start with uh, Y2K. Remember Y2, 1999, Y2K? Everybody freaked out because the world was going to end. And then we could name so many different viruses and things that have happened. Swine flu, mad cow disease, uh, uh, was the Nile virus, and we could go on and on and on about all these different things, and every single one of them we're supposed to continually take all, but we got to, we got through all that. Now, this one's a little different. This one's kind of like a bigger cousin of all those that are saying, hey, try to beat me, and we can. It's already been proven. Unfortunately, in the battle, there has been lives lost, and, and that's nothing by any means to, you know, to take lightly. Lives have been lost, and we want to prevent any more from happening. So what do we do? We can look back to history. You see, if you don't look back to history, you'll repeat history. There is a young minister, a young minister that many of you have probably heard his name. His name is Charles Spurgeon. When he was a young minister in London, this was in the fall of 1854 in London, England, at the New Park Street Chapel. They had the similar situation we're dealing with today. He was just a new pastor of a new of a church, small church, and they had the same scenario. It wasn't what we're dealing with today with coronavirus. They were dealing with cholera. And it was this cholera that was just wiping out everybody like crazy. What he had to do was the same because there was 
a ban from being able to go into public settings and very similar to what we're dealing with. Some places are more extreme than others, but nonetheless, they were trying to quarantine everybody. So he came up with some really good ideas, and that was to literally, you see, we have the ability to do what we're doing here by recording. They didn't have that back then. There were no cassette tapes. We can go back. Remember cassette tapes? How about A-Track? Oh, man, see, we're really dating, huh? Oh, reel to reel, right? <laughs> okay, let's go back to the pencil. All right, so that's what they had. Okay, that's what they had. That's what he had. And so what they would do, we see we have many, many copies of Spurgeon's messages. And it took time because it was somebody, like would say a, a secretary, understanding and writing down his message. They would make copies of that and send it out to everybody. But during this time, there weren't no copies of his messages. There weren't any copies because they creatively spent their time just literally calling people. Um, well, to the point that they could literally taking door to door, going where they could to visit people to see how they're doing. They were the church. You know, the Bible is very clear that this is the temple. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And as we are able to go outside the four walls of this place, it's the idea of like getting out of the seat and going into the street and taking the word of God. Can you imagine a T-shirt that says the church has left the building? You know what I mean? Just the idea of going out and just sharing the love of Christ how we can. Not being in fear. Yes, we got to take careful and quarantine ourselves and so on. And please, 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 during this time, don't, 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 don't get defensive or offended when you go to shake someone's hand and they're like, you know, they're looking at you. Don't get this is a crazy time right now. The way I'm kind of realizing for me, if someone extends their hand to me, I'll extend my hand to them. If someone doesn't, I'll do the bump. If they don't do even that, the elbow, the knee, you know, I try whatever, you know, and then we get to the place and we understand why our Asian brothers and sisters do this, you know, <laughs> totally understand now. Okay, totally get it. But don't get offended when people don't give you the high five that you're looking for i know maybe your touch is your love language okay but maybe again let's uh, i think the popular one now is to do like your foot connecting or something you know it's like hey this it's a time it's an issue just let it be spurgeon had to get creative and he had to change the regular format of what we're accustomed to but the word of god was still getting out i mean think about those that live in communist countries, our brothers and sisters in the Lord that live in where it's against the law. How, why is it? And you, we hear reports. Why is it that those churches are growing? People are even being baptized in Muslim countries where it's clearly against the law as well. Why is right now a revival going on in Iran, an underground revival of people coming to know the Lord? Because for the first time, they're hearing of hope. For the first, not religion, hear me. Do you understand the difference? Religion, religion is man's way to get to God. A relationship with God is God's way to relate to us. There is such thing as good religion, and there is such thing as bad religion. Good religion, the Lord even refers to, is what? Taking care of the widows and taking care of the orphans. Even himself, he says, I'll be a husband to the husbandless. I'll be a father to the fatherless. When your neighbor 
is needing bread, don't just say a word of prayer for them, but give them bread. If anyone asks for a glass of cold water, give it to them in the name of the Lord. And see, these are the tangible ways in how we could just go and bring hope. People are going to be freaking out in so many different ways. But when they see a calmness about, how could you be so calm during this time? And you understand that I have a peace inside. You see, you understand the difference between happiness and joy? What is the difference? Happiness is an external thing. It's something has to happen to affect you. But joy comes from inside. And the Lord is the one. The joy of the Lord. His own joy he gives us is my strength. This is not shocking God right now. This is not freaking God out. But this is a time for us to pursue and to look for wisdom. Can we go to that first verse I want to show with you in the book of James? Book of James. Look at this. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. I love that that portion is in there. Let me read it again. But look at the second part of that. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. So the third part really here. Who gives generously to all without finding fault. When we ask God, he's not looking down at us to see, hmm, are you worthy of me giving you wisdom? Because how many here have had fault in their life at one time or another, right? I think every single one of us, if you didn't raise your hand, you're lying. You just, you're, you're at fault right now. Okay, here we go. But no, what I'm saying is, is that because if it was based on how good I am, therefore how much measure of wisdom I can get, ah, uh, me, yeah, hardly anything. Because I'm at fault. We're all at fault. But it's, look at what it says there. He gives generously to all without finding fault. So in the scenario that we're all dealing with here, what is that? Well, some people have to work at home now. That is crazy. How to manage your time when you're not used to being at your time. You're used to that structured scenario. And now to be at home with all the other distractions of home, why? What other distractions? They're called children. Now the kids aren't in school. And the kids, okay, parents ask wisdom. Can I do say this too? Is that if you go onto the Life Church website, Life Church Utah website, you could see um, there's a link there for ideas for parents what to do with your kids during this time. Okay, so you can go on there and get an idea. Uh, our children's pastor, Taylor, is going crazy trying to work with our children's pastor, Stan, here to see how we can work together to see how can we serve our children during this time. Give creative ideas, give lessons even for them to sit down and, and to be able to study. But it says there, okay, if anyone, you don't have to merit this. You don't have to approve yourself to anything other than just ask. I love Solomon. King Solomon, he could have asked for anything. The Lord says, ask anything. What did he ask for? He asked for wisdom. Wisdom is beyond knowledge. Knowledge, we could all have knowledge but not have any wisdom. You can know how to do something, but you don't only fully understand what the how to use it in the manner of, of what it should be used for. There's so many depths to wisdom. And yet the Lord is wisdom. The Lord is the one who will speak to you and guide you and direct you. And me as well. When you're stuck in a scenario of what's going on right now, Lord, just take that moment and say, Lord, I need you. Give me your wisdom right now. And the Lord is faithful to meet your need. 
and my need and to help us all the way through this. What is our job? Our job is to be a light in a dark place. Our job, I mean, remember Jesus gets baptized in water. He goes into the wilderness for 40 days. He fasts. At the end of his fast, the, the devil comes to try to distract him from his purpose. He doesn't listen to him. The angels minister to Jesus. And then the next thing you know, the Bible says that Jesus goes in to the first place of ministry. This is the beginning. The first place he ministers, the Bible says he goes into the valley of the shadow of death. That's an actual neighborhood. Remember David, thousands of years before that, said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David was saying, in this rough neighborhood, I'm not going to be afraid. Well, years later, Jesus comes on the scene, and the first place he goes to take the gospel is in the same neighborhood David wrote about. And But Jesus, in the scriptures, it says, and you can read it in the gospel, it says that he went to bring a light to a dark place to reach the barbaric people, and he dwelt among them. In the darkest neighborhood, in the darkest scenario, talk about a neighborhood having a bad reputation for a long time. A long time. What was wrong with it? Well, there was a lot of robberies going on, a lot of killings, a lot of this, a lot of that. I mean, it was just crime, and even David wrote about it. And over here, next thing you know, Jesus is writing about it. Can I just share something on a side note? I just read something about Ogden. I didn't know about Ogden. I live in Ogden. That Ogden was established not by the church here, but established by the railroad. Okay, we all know of the Golden Spike. It was established by the railroad. And the railroad, uh, because of the workers and the guys, it was a pretty naughty place. I'll just use that lightly. You know, with the saloons and with the uh, establishments of women and everything, and I'll just be light on that. It was just crazy. It was so wild and had such a bad reputation that it's quoted in the paper, and I've heard this many times, but I didn't never seen it written, that even from the time of, uh, you know, 18, uh, whenever the railroad came in, Golden Spike, from that point that Ogden was established, all the way to Al Capone, that Al Capone even said, remember Al Capone, right, the most notorious gangster? Al Capone said he won't mess with Ogden because of how crazy Ogden was. I read that, and I was like, are you kidding me? Al Capone won't go into Ogden? Whoa, this is a crazy place. Now, I live in Ogden. Of course, there are certain areas like every place, certain neighborhoods, but it's a beautiful place. It's a beautiful place. So where are we getting at? We have to be a light in a dark place. My friends, my time is coming up. I want to just share the last verses here. I want us to go into the book of Isaiah. And in chapter 9, Verses 2 to 4. We're going to read it. I can see it better clear up here. It says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the deep. That Jesus will work. It's through us that we'll make the difference to those that are around us. We may not be able to say we're doing it in a building for the next couple of weeks or we have no idea how long. But all we know is that it doesn't stop us. It doesn't stop us because the light is within us. And that light who is that light? Verse 7. We could go on. Can I love that last part? And the Prince of Peace. 
He's the Prince of Peace. Let me pray. God, I thank you so much for my friends here, and I pray, Lord, that you would help each one of them with wisdom. Grant upon them, God, the ability, God, to do so much. Lord, there's people that they're going to come in contact with that they never thought they would. There are situations, Lord, even your Holy Spirit, God, you would guide people to each one of us. And we pray, God, that you would help us. Lord, I, I, I'm thinking right now of that, that little village, that village that sits in a valley in Italy for three to four months of the year. They get no sun whatsoever because of the winter. But, Lord, that engineer who created that mirror that literally would reflect the sun and shine it, and it would now shine in the church square. That a light has been brought, Lord. The wisdom was used by that engineer, Lord, to bring light into that valley, which for many, many years had never seen light during that time. Lord, look, there are people in our beautiful valley here that have never seen light. They don't know it. They live and adjust to darkness the way it's always been with their father and their grandfather and so on. But Lord, now let us be like that mirror, a reflection of you. Let us, Lord, be able to shine the light you've given us and reflect it on the people. Help us, Lord. Strengthen us, God. And Lord, we pray if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know you or that's going to be watching on air, Lord, on online, God, we pray that if they don't know you, God, that they would call out to you, that they would say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me for living my life, for living in darkness. Lord, I want you to live in my life. Forgive me. Let me start new. My life belongs to you now. From this moment on, my life belongs to you. Those that have, are going to come to you, Lord, help us to be the church to welcome in Jesus' name. We love you. We thank you. We now pray, God, for the blessing of the food. We pray, God, that you